took these off of the, um, you know, I took these off of the bulletin, so you may have more. Is there any more that you would like for me to, and, and don't judge my, listen, don't, don't dare judge my uh, handwriting here. Any more you would like for me to add to our prayer request? Mr. Who, say it again. Berlin, Ms. Berlin. Okay, yeah, absolutely. Anybody else? All right. Who else? That's right. I've got her up there. So good. And and you'll notice I got dad up there too. He left last Thursday to go to South Africa for a mission trip for two weeks. He's had a little rough go. So if you want to know why he's up there, that's the reason why. Yeah. Thank you. Anybody else? Say it again. Trent Eaton. Thought I had him up there. I must have taken him off. Sorry. Anybody else? Thanksgiving and you know I notice I got the jumpers up there. I think tomorrow's the day uh, for Jacqueline, so let's uh, let's remember them and, and let's reach out to them. I think if all goes well and Lord willing that'll be the case, they'll be home on Wednesday, just so y'all know. Anybody else? Ray Miller. Ray Miller. Okay. If you don't mind, before we say our prayer, I would like for you to turn to and, and turn to Exodus chapter five. Exodus chapter five, and we're going to get our thoughts started tonight. Exodus chapter five, and we're just going to read the first two verses there. This will introduce our subject, and then we'll move into move into our prayer, and then we'll get started. Bible says in Exodus chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went and said to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. But Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and moreover I will not let Israel go. Key point here. Pharaoh stopped and said, who is the Lord? And that's exactly what we're going to study tonight. So as we do that, or before we do that, if you don't mind, if you will bow your heads. And we'll say our prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that we can approach your throne tonight. We're so thankful that you give us this time to study your word. God, we're so thankful for who you are and, and all the attributes we're about to study. Father, we're humbled in your presence. Of course, Father, we, we just we want to give you the glory in all things. Father, we have a list of folks here. We're so thankful that we get to offer up 
these names to you and, and we can come and petition. And Father, we want to pray for each and every one of these folks. We want to pray for Jenny Martin, for Ricky Ross, for James Goddard. We want to pray for Karen Bertram, Austin Wentz. Please be with the jumpers tomorrow. Please help everything go well there. Continue to be with Sandy Bonham and Terry Green. Be with Dad, Father, as he's doing mission work over in South Africa. Be with him and bless that service and that, that work. Be with Savannah and keep her safe. Be with the Taylor family and the horse family and their losses. Father, be with Verlin, Miss Verlin, and Milton and Juanice and Larry and Jerry and Trent and Ray. And I'm sure, Father, there are so many more that we need to pray for, we need to lift up, but we know that you understand their needs. And as these individuals here praying with me, lift those folks up. Of course, we, we ask your hand to be upon all those situations, but we ask you to be with us as we try to serve them and show your love in our lives. And then, Father, we're also just thankful for all the great things that you do. And as Miss Anita just brought up, I mean, we're just so thankful for just how you take care of us. And there's so many ways that we could express that through through our own lives, and, and we just want to make sure we give you thanksgiving for that. And Father, our prayer now is you'll be with this class. You'll help us as we try to learn more about you and, of course, just uh, help us rightly divide the word of truth, help us understand your will so we can better, better serve you. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, that's the study. We've already read that verse. So um, I'm going to get into, look, the very first activity we're going to do tonight. So... Um, Again, I've already asked for your help in this, and so I hope you'll do that. Uh, this isn't anything new that we haven't done in this class when I've taught it before, but I, I want to go ahead and start with this. I want you to start, um, and I want you to, if you don't mind, you can do this by yourself, but I would prefer you talk to the person next to you or somebody around you. And I want you all to start listing, and I'll give you about a couple minutes to do so. The attributes of God. Now, I have these segregated into two different columns, you might say. And the reason why I have that is, is one is there's some just eternal attributes of God that you will list. And then there's some moral attributes. In other words, the way that he treats us. That's just so powerful and awesome. And, and you may, you may want to, when you, when you list those in a minute, I'll help you segregate those. So I want you to spend just a couple of minutes because I know you're not going to talk to me. So I hope you talk to I'm just kidding. I know you'll talk to me, but you may not talk to me, but you may talk to the person next to you, or you may think about this just for a couple of minutes. Make a list. What are these attributes of God? Please do that for me. Go. It is okay to talk. Go. A couple of minutes. Give me one second. We're going we're gonna to talk amongst yourselves, and then we're going to list them. Talk among yourselves. Nobody's talking to Cassie. You may move up there with Ralph. Huh? What's wrong? Hmm? Yeah, no, I need to know that. All right, minute or two, then uh, you have no excuses for telling me what you and your, uh, maybe y'all talked about. 
And we'll write these down real quick. And then uh, got one more thing I'm going to ask you regarding this before we get into maybe a deeper dive. 30 more seconds. Make your list. All right, let's roll. Give me some attributes of God. What do you got? Somebody said something over here a while ago. Did you say that, Miss Rowe? Almighty. Okay. What else? Omnipresent. Okay. I'm definitely going to struggle writing these things down, so y'all just go with it. What else? Mercy. Very good. Thank you for speaking up. What other attributes you got? Everything. Everything in First Corinthians 13. And I'm going to put down here if that's okay. I'm sure it's more than this, but that's okay. I'm going to write that anyways, Doug. I'm sure there's more than that. Forgiving. Forgiving. Un- Which side does unchanging go on? Left side? All right, left side. Unchanging. Somebody in the middle section said something. I heard it. I just missed it. What did you say? Cannot sin. Cannot sin. Okay, yeah. Patient. Keep going. What do you got? All right. Cannot lie. That's right. Cannot sin. Cannot lie. Absolutely. Jealous. Long suffering. Thank y'all for speaking up. I'd like to hear your voices, not mine. All knowing. She said grace up here. You say jealous? Right, I got jealous right there. Very good. Yeah, omnipotent. Man. I'm struggling with that, by the way, huh? Compassion. Good. Loyal. Perfect. Somebody say perfect. I want to hear. All right, perfect. Wise. Why? Yeah. What side does that go on? Both. Wow, it's just the beauty of being able to. Ooh, you know, that's a new one for me, Doug. Speak, speak up on that a little bit. Omnivisual. Omnivisual, is that what you said? Sees all things, yeah. Okay, yeah. Good, good, good. Some people add that with the presence, right? But that's good. That's good. You say righteous? All right, righteous. Very good. Faithful. Very faithful. Eternal. Eternal. Okay. Man, what a good list. Unchanging. Unchanging. I've got that one on there, but that's good. Yes, thanks for speaking up. I got it. You can't read my writing. It's fair. Understand. Say that again. Kind. All right. It's interesting. Okay. Can y'all see... Yeah, that's kind of, I, I realize I have a flaw here in my, in my plan, but it's okay. Let me get this bigger now. Let me get this bigger. Okay. Because I know you read this. I also want you now to think for a second. In your, in, and this is personal, okay? This is personal. And it's okay. There's really no right or wrong answer to this, but it helps you think about this to a whole nother level, right? Which one of these attributes 
of God are most important to you. And, it, and, and I'm going to go ahead and preface while you're thinking through that. I realize certain times that could change and certain moments of your life that could change. But I want you to dive just a little bit deeper into your thinking about the attributes of God and, and really consider which one is most important to you. Think that through just for a second. And some of you brave souls that were not afraid to speak up already, y'all let me know which one and maybe why, if you don't mind, okay? Because he loves us, he's perfect. Because he loves us, he wants us. I mean, just, you could put that in for all of those. And oh, yeah. he's that. That's right. Thank you. Thank you, Miss Neal. She says love is, is, is hers because because of his love, you know, a lot of these other things listed up there, they happen. Um, and that was, did I, did I miss, I hope I didn't misrepresent what you said, but I'm just trying to make sure I repeat so others can hear. What else? What's most important to you? Or what's the most important attribute that you think? Mercy. Mercy. All right. That's yours, Miss Marilyn. And the reason why? <laughs> All right. You know, you say that you have to beg for it every day. And then I've got Miss Roden over here that says forgiveness, right? And the reason why you say forgiveness is because? I every day. Every day. Okay, that's right. Both of y'all. I figured y'all would say something similar. Thank y'all for speaking up. Somebody else? Ah, why is that important to you? Nothing he can't go. You know, that's an interesting thought. I know exactly what you mean, by the way. And everybody in this room knows exactly what you mean. But is there some things God can't do? I mean, yeah, right. I mean, we know that. He was middle, we listed a couple of them. He can't lie, he can't see. But to your point, there's nothing he can't do against what? That's not against his what nature, right? That's the thing we got to remember. God's he he won't he can't he can't go against his nature, but outside of that he can do whatever. I think we left one out, but we ought to put up there. Oh, okay, very good. Thank you for um yeah, I think we can do that. It won't be as pretty as the other ones, but I'm gonna write down holy. All right. Y'all give me a couple more. If you don't mind, just one or two more, then we'll move on. We'll move on to other conversations here. What's important to you? Patience. All right. several weeks and that he's patient with us and he sees things in us that that um that we still don't see but he's patient with us thank you Stephen, for speaking up one more grace all right you know there's one up here it's very interesting now the people there's few of you that's been in this class with me um and and has heard me teach this class and so y'all know what i'm about to say you know, we, we missed an attribute that Rex A. Um, man, Turner Sr. says it's the most important to him. We didn't even list it. Do you all remember what it is in the back back there? What was, what was it, Edward? Uh, 
You remember? Justice. And we didn't list that one. But Rex A. Turner Sr. says that is the most important attribute to him. And here's why he said this. And I want to say it just because I think it just helps us collect all of our thoughts and what we know about God and what everything y'all have all said. And listen, it's, it's, his, it's his point, not, not yours. His point was, he says, you know, there's, you know, God can be merciful. God can be patient. God can be loving. God can be, and a lot of people say these things, forgiving. But the wonderful thing about our God is that He's just, that He's never wrong. He's always going to be faithful. He's always going to be forgiving. He's always going to be merciful. He's always going to be those things because He's righteous, He's good, and He's just. And that's the amazing God we serve. Is that not awesome? We don't, in, a, in, in, in your point, Ken, clarify that part of it, please, for me. Because a just God must act on what's right and what's wrong. And since I'm a sinner, I must die for my sin. So unless I have his mercy and his grace, I am lost. All right. Understand that. And Ken, I, I hope, and I, I'm not going to use this time to go tell you what Rex A. Turner Sr. said in his book about it. I hope, I guess my point is, is uh, and what I think you will agree with, is the fact that he is just, yes, but he sent his son. And we all have hope now because of that. And um, so anyways, I, I, I do want to move, okay? Whatever you, your point about whatever you feel your, the greatest attribute is, I want y'all to understand and I want y'all to think about and dive deep into who God is. Now with that said, this is where, by the way, some of you may want verses. So I decided to give you verses for those of you who may want to may jot those verses down because we said a lot of words, but we didn't really get any God's word into it. And I know some of you take notes and you may want to just understand but there's an ultimate question asked and I don't in this class I don't want to dive into it I only just want to introduce it because we're going to get into it when we talk about sin okay and I think actually Ken just kind of gave us a little bit of preview about it and there's a question that's asked you know you, you list all these attributes of God and how awesome amazing and we could just go through and 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 God is and then people want to ask, well, if God is all-powerful and all-knowing, if God is righteous and just and loving and merciful, then why in the world did God create so many people who one day will spend eternity in hell? That's the question. That's right. You're absolutely right. Say, God didn't do it to it, do it to himself because they didn't obey God. You're right. But then there's that person that's going to ask you and say, well, why would God create some group of people who he knew was going to be, have the desires, you might say, to sin? This is a, it's a difficult question. And it's one that, quite frankly, I was challenged with just a, a year or two ago. And I didn't do so well in answering it. Now, I'm not going to dive into this subject 
so deeply. Um, and the reason why is because we're going to reintroduce this subject when we talk about sin and the nature of sin. But I do want to just quickly touch on it because I, I want to hit, I want to hit on what you just talked about a little bit. So if you don't mind, we'll turn to, we'll turn to James chapter five and I'm going to do probably a terrible job of this, but turn to James chapter five real quick. We know this, not James chapter five, James chapter one, excuse me. James chapter one. And we'll read the, the verses that we all know starting in verse 13. And y'all, I, I told, you know, you spend hours preparing for classes and you think you're ready to go. You grab your stuff because you're late for speech class. And I left all of my notes at home. So y'all just going to have to, y'all just going to have to bear with me. And I know y'all will carry me through. Okay. All right. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Now, we understand this verse. We've studied this verse. We know that that's how sin is produced. Sin is produced because of our own desires. Now, here's the point. God gave us these desires. And the reason why we were, you know, we were given these desires, and this was something that I learned, is that, you know, we had to hunger and thirst or we wouldn't survive. We had to have the desire of sex or we wouldn't reproduce. We had to have the desire of, of um, you know, doing good or or this concept of achievement because we, we wouldn't give back to society. So, you know, God is a eternal being, an eternal being. He had to make a finite person and a finite person cannot be perfect. And they needed these desires to do all the things that needs to happen in society and for survival. Now, God doesn't tempt anybody. But it's through those desires that man sins. Now, I told you I'm not going to dive deep into it. I'm just going to say this. You come back for our lesson a few weeks from now about sin and we'll dive deeper, okay? At least, Lord willing, that's the thought. Turn now, and this is what I love and why I even told you that whole thing and went through that whole deal is to go to Romans chapter 8. Go to Romans chapter 8. We're going to read up here. We'll start in the famous verse of verse 28, but we, we, we're actually trying to get to verse 29 through 30. Paul says, and we know, Romans chapter 8, starting verse 28, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose. For those He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, in order that He might be the firstborn, among many brothers, and those whom he predestined, he also called, and those whom he called, he also justified, and those whom he justified, he also glorified. Now, I took you to this verse, and Ken's done this on several occasions with us as well. I took you to this verse because the whole point is this. Yes, our eternal, amazing God that we understand has all these wonderful and great attributes did make a man who he knew was going to be imperfect a moral free agent. But here's the point. He knew that. That's the reason why he predestined a plan that comes through Jesus Christ so that we all have hope of eternity and 
salvation. That's why he had this plan from the very beginning that could only be fulfilled. The justice that we all deserved could only be fulfilled through the death of Jesus Christ. And we're going to dive into that a little bit deeper, but you know, a lot of times you get into this subject about the attributes of God, and that question comes up. And again, I'm not the best person. I didn't articulate that so well. If I had my notes, I could have read a little bit better, but that's okay. Um, Point is, I want you to be understanding that God didn't fail, folks. Comes down that He gave us freedom. But God didn't fail. All right. Any comments on this before we move? Attributes of God? Because I got about 10 minutes to talk to you about the Godhead. That's, man, I'm probably going to mess that up too, but that's okay. We're going to keep going. Any comments on this? Okay. The next thing I want to talk about in regards to the study of God, theology, is, uh, you know, this concept of the Godhead. And this is where I really am worried about my... <laughs> I'm really worried. I hope you all know I'm doing the best I can and I'll try to speak where the Bible speaks. God is one. We know that. Y'all don't question that. I don't question that. Uh, the Bible tells us plainly that God is one. It tells us that in the Old Testament. It tells us that in the New Testament. These are several verses that you can read. If I had my notes, my plan was to quote those verses. But these are all famous verses that you know that basically says, you know, you will have no other God before me. God is one. Literally, that's what he says in Galatians 3.20. And then, of course, in James chapter 3 or James chapter 2, he says, you know, even the demons believe that, you know, that God's one. We understand that God is one. There's also, I have, there's more than 45 verses in the Old and New Testament that express this concept. However, I do want to turn to these. Let's turn to Acts chapter 17, verse 29. I know if you have, I'm going to read from the King James Version because there's this, there's this concept of the Godhead that is introduced to us, right? And there's three, three times the word is translated Godhead. Acts 17, Colossians 2, and Romans 1. We're going to read just a couple of those. So we'll start in Acts 17. Let me get to that one. In verse 29, it introduces us to the fact that, yes, we know that God's one, but we also know that there's, you know, there's this concept of multiple personalities. And so you got verse 29, for as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is likened to gold or silver or stone graven by art or man's device. If you go then to the next passage that I have, and that's in Colossians 2.8, you'll read this again, or 2.9. He says, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And then the last one that I had kind of there to to read is in Romans 1.18, or verse 20. Let me get down to the right verse. I had it marked on 18. He says in verse 20 of Romans 1, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. So we have this concept 
of the Godhead. And I think y'all understand that and know that. And then we also have for us two passages where it lists who they are specifically. Very famous passages. So Matthew chapter 28, verse, uh, nine, verse 19 and 20. If we get there, I, I should be able to quote that. But right now, I'm just going to go ahead and keep reading. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. And then if you go to the, to the end of Paul's writing in 2 Corinthians, you get there, verse 13, or chapter, um, chapter 13, and you get down to verse 14. He lists again the members of the Godhead. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, there's one, and the love of God, there's two, and the communion of the Holy Spirit, there's three. Be with you all. Amen. Now, I, I realize I just went through things that you all know, but I wanted to do that. If God is one, and how do we take into account those three personalities? I want to deal with that very quickly tonight. And there's three beliefs that you will hear. By the way, there's only three religions that believe that there's one God. Judaism, Mohammedism, and then Christianity. Now, in Christianity, you get down into this subject, there's three common beliefs of how people want to kind of justify in their head Yes, there's, there's three, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, but the Bible says there's, there's only one God. So the first one that you may hear is this tritheism. I hope I'm saying these things. And literally, that is somebody telling you, yes, there are three literal, distinct gods. And the one comes into play when you talk about their purpose. Now... I'm not going to dive into this one so much, okay? Um, quite frankly, if you study your scriptures, and especially when it comes to the oneness of God, you find that it's more than just purpose. But that's one belief people have. The other one, and this one uh, I think is, is, is taught, I don't know about all that, that are in the Pentecostal belief, but which is, Monarchianism, or monarchianism, monarchianism, yeah, here we go. This one is literally, they believe there's one God, like only one divine being. And that divine person manifests himself at different times as the Father. Or maybe another time that one being manifests himself as the Son. Or that one being manifests himself as the Holy Spirit. And folks, this is also false. Now, I don't have my notes in front of me, but I don't mind. I think I can quote some of these. And so you'll just have to bear with me. Jesus says, I am the vine. Right? And in John 15, what is, quote that for me, Ken. I'm, I'm sorry. Let's just turn there. I got my Bible. Turn there with me. John chapter 15. I'll get there real quick. I said I could do it, and I, I, just, I just went blank, but that's okay. That's why we have the Bible in front of me. He says specifically in verse 1, I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Now, that doesn't sound like just one divine being there. 
There's another verse that, that I, I, I wish I had in front of me so I could tell you where Jesus says, you know, nobody knows when the time's going to be, when the, when, when, when the end of the world's going to come, except not the Son, but the Father is the only one who knows. So there's, which one is that one? Matthew 24, 26, 36. All right, very good. I knew you could help me with that. And the point is, he makes it very clear that there's a distinguished difference between the Son and the Father. And so this belief here that there's just one divine being and he manifests himself in three different ways is also not the, not the appropriate way to see the Godhead. Now what you've all heard and what we've heard is the Trinity. And Y'all, please don't critique this next thing that's about to happen. And I know it's dangerous, and I even almost took this out because I was scared to death that I had messed this up. Just bear with me, okay? Because listen to the words more than, more than what I'm about to show you. Key point I want to make in regards to the Trinity and that belief is that there's three personalities, but there's one divine nature our essence. Now, you're saying, okay, I've heard that my whole life. It's really hard for us to make one equals three. <laughs> we, it's just really hard because it just doesn't match. We've learned that since we were in the first grade or even younger now. But logically, to put this together, we have three personalities, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, but they're one in regards to nature. They're one in regards to essence. And I think we can, we can understand this a little better if we'll just turn our Bibles real quick. I don't know how much time I got. I got a couple minutes to Genesis chapter 1. Turn to Genesis chapter 1. We will use this kind of as our case study. And hopefully this will help you want to study more. And again, I'm also telling you things that you already know, but I'm hoping I'm putting a little bit more context and maybe a little bit of, uh, little bit of verses behind it for you. In Genesis chapter 1, we know what he says in verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. All right, now I'm not going to dive into the Hebrew here. I'm not planning on it at all. I, matter of fact, it's an interesting study for you to study the Hebrew word for God. Uh, I think it'll take you places that'll help you uh, long-term understand what I'm about to show you next. However, you know, in verse 26, and you all remember verse 26. If you go to verse 26, you know, God created the heavens and the earth. But note verse 26, it says, and God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness. Now that gives us a hint of what we've already been talking about and know that there's three personalities in the Godhead. And as God, and divine nature, divine beings. And so he makes reference here. Now some people say, well, that's angels. Angels can't create anything. They were created by God. But let us, he says. Now there's a verse 2. That's really interesting to me that I'm, I'm not going to try to say I totally understand. But he says in verse 2, And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, 
and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. That's interesting, isn't it? It says at first that God created the heavens and the earth, and then specifically, it may have given us a little bit of insight here on what the Spirit role was in regards to creation. Now, I'm going to go ahead and turn you just real quick. It's not so obvious right here, but it is obvious when you get to Colossians chapter 1, when it's talking about Christ in verse 16, it says, For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, invisible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through Him and for Him. And then you also know this next verse in Hebrews chapter 1. But in these last days, he has spoken, verse 2, in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through him, through whom also he created the world. Now let's go back to Genesis chapter 1. We know there's one God. We also know there's per multiple persons, and we understand who they are. We also know that through, you know, the study of chapter 1, that it seems that God is the designer and the supreme ruler, the Father, let me say it that way, is the designer and the supreme ruler. It looks like we, through other verses, we can tell that the Son was the actual executor and the one who literally created everything. And then here's the one that people may question. Seems like you have the Holy Spirit then who comes behind and literally finishes Consummates, however you want to say it, makes everything beautiful. There's a couple of verses you may want to read there just to help you with that. Now, I'm going to close, but I want you to take this and think about it from the scheme of redemption. If you think about this concept, even with the scheme of redemption and the plan for man, God, the supreme ruler, the designer, the father, the son, the one who literally came to die for each and every one of us, and the Holy Spirit who came behind to comfort and make sure the words that were needed was there. I'm going to take you back as I, my last sentence as we close, Exodus 5, verses 1 and 2. Pharaoh says, Who is this God that I should listen to His voice? Tonight, the goal was just to study a little bit deeper about who this God is. And I'd love to take you back. And what I want you to remember is this slide here. That's the God we serve. Sovereign, all-powerful, all-knowing. The list could go on. And I hope it gives you a little bit of encouragement, and I hope you'll, you'll also oversee some of my lack of maybe the way I articulated things tonight. But this is why we serve our God. Bow your heads, please. Dear Heavenly Father, we are thankful for who you are. We're thankful for all the many attributes that you, that you have, that you so kindly and patiently and all the different verbs or adverbs or ways I could describe it, Father, you bestow upon us and you, Father, we're just so thankful. And our prayer tonight as we leave this place is that 
We won't forget who we serve and why we serve you. And Father, I also want to thank you for sending Jesus to this earth to die for us. And Father, I also want to make sure that you'll forgive us of our sins because we know we fall short from time to time. Thank you so much for being a forgiving, merciful, gracious God. It's in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you all very much. Uh, did I? Well, Lord's Supper.